Hi, this is Cole. And this is Carly. Welcome to our podcast, Shrieks and Shivers. This month is November of No Escape. We'll be, re- we'll be reviewing movies that involve cults. This week, it's The Wicker Man from yes. 1973. And the next two weeks, we will do Hereditary and then The Village to close out um, November. Sadly, we are skipping a week, but I have things to do that we can't record. So sorry. Yes. So <laughs> starting with The Wicker Man from 1973, um, this movie is pretty much a classic. Um, it's also kind of the first movie to really kick off the genre of horror, like folk horror. And it also involves like a cultish kind of theme to it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely cultish. Um, It is horror mystery, and I'll give y'all a quick uh, summary of the movie. Sergeant Howie travels to Summer's Isle to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. While on the aisle, he discovers the locals are pagans and are unwilling to help him find the missing girl. Yes. So our characters are, um, of course, Sergeant Howie. He's played by Edward Woodward. Then we got Lord Summer Isles, who's played by Christopher Lee. Uh, Rowan Morrison, she's a missing girl he goes to find. We have Willow, who's played by actress Britt Eklund. And then um, we have Mae Morrison, who is a school teacher. And also, it looks like she's the lover to Lord Summer Isles. And she's played by Irene Sunters. Suiters. And I do not know any of these people. I believe they're all like British actress or Australian or even Swedish. But I do know um the guy who played Lord Summer Isles. He's also like he's a Yeah, so he played um the White Wizard in Lord of the Rings, the wizard who goes evil. And then he also had a role in Dracula and he's a pretty big star. Like he's played in other major movies. But the interesting thing that we found out when researching this film is that he didn't receive any payment for doing The Wicker Man. But he really, but the reason for that is because he was trying to move away from Dracula. Yes, I guess he got tired of playing the character of Dracula. And you know, Hollywood or any, like any country where like, you know, they film movies, sometimes you get tied to that character so hardcore that it's hard to find another role. Mm-hmm. Which sucks. This movie was directed by Robin Hardy, um, and throughout our research, we learned that it was quickly put together. They tried to make it for cheap, um, and that it's based, so the setting is in the Summer Isles, which actually exists in Scotland, but they don't have people really living on them. But most of the filming happened in the Scottish Highlands in places called Dumfries and Galloway, and I may have said those names wrong, so sorry if I did. And it was filmed near the fall, so, and I guess up there it gets really cold around that time, so they actually had to bring in a lot of fake trees and attach, like, blossom, fake blossoms to the trees to kind of give it that spring look. Which kind of plays in, in a way, even though this was a decision they had to make for the design of the movie, um, just simply because it was fall time and they didn't have, like, you know, newly trees with blossoms and stuff. It does kind of play in to the movie as a whole. Yeah, the artificialness. Yes. And the repercussions that come with it. Just to get started, um, like we said, our main character, or 
one of our main characters is Sergeant Howie. He is the Scottish officer from the Scottish Highlands. He goes out to this island because he's been told that there's a missing girl and he's trying to locate her. Well, Sergeant Howie is a very Christian man. He is very religious. And when he gets to the island, he is quickly displeased by the inhabitants. Yeah, like, as soon as he, like, he, the only way that he was able to get out there, he had to fly a plane, and it's so low, so he he lands, and immediately he's kind of like, you're like, oh, this guy's a bit of an asshole, because he's like, uh, can someone bring a boat out instead of landing closer? So, um, he gets on a boat, and right away, we already know there's something going on, because the boat has an evil eye on it. Yes. Um, and with Sergeant Howie, he he loves the fact that he's a cop and he loves to throw his authority around. So whenever anybody does anything he doesn't like, he's automatically like snapping his fingers and telling them, I'm going to report you. You could be arrested. Like, you know, you could be charged, all these different things. And the inhabitants of the island, sometimes they listen to him. But overall, you get the feeling like they don't really respect his authority. Yes, and it's funny because when he's talking to the men at the port and he's asking, have y'all seen this missing girl? Her name is Rowan Morrison. I'm looking for her. They're all like, I've never seen this girl before. Like, they're all dismissing it. But then they're like, oh, there is like a Morrison. She owns a shop, but that's not her daughter. And he's like, and like, you get the sense that they're they're withholding information from him. Like, they're playing a game. Yes, and this continues throughout the movie. There are many people who will tell him that this young girl did not exist, only later for him to discover more evidence of her existence. But they're also giving him breadcrumbs, like they're they're guiding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he um so he goes down to the sweet shop and immediately like can I just say that sweet shop was kind of creepy because like all the candy just looks so weird. Did it look weird to you? It kind of did look weird to me. I was like, uh this is uh this is probably a place if I was to come as a tourist, I would be like, okay, I think I've seen enough. I'm going to leave. Yeah. And um so he enters the sweet shop and like he notices a chocolate rabbit, but it's actually a chocolate hare and he even says, "Oh, it's a rabbit." And the lady who runs the shop, Miss Morrison's like, "Oh no, that's a hare." And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, um, I come here because your daughter's missing. And she's like, uh, follow me. She takes him behind the store where her house is. And he sees her. She's like, this is my daughter. She has to go to the front to um, deal with a customer. And he talks to the daughter. And she's like, oh, yeah. Um, my uh, Rowan is out in the fields. And he's like, the fields? So she is here. And he's and the little girl like she's a hare, and he's like okay, like so the the hare's sister. So he he bids them adieu and leaves. But we're gonna see this hare played throughout this entire thing. And I don't know if hares are really like you know, you know how jackrabbits are big. Live. I wonder if or where I live, I wonder if hares are kind of big up in like Scotland. Yeah, versus like rabbits. Which if you've ever been around. Uh, jackrabbits which I think are a form of hares um, they're actually kind of creepy oh yeah they're very creepy like they got really scary eyes and they yeah. can stand up and look taller than what's like so he ends up going to the hotel right yes afterwards 
and so he can get a room um, while he's there. And he is even more displeased because these people are all singing and dancing and joking. And there's young men like fighting kind of each other, but not in a serious way. And he's just very annoyed by how there's all these people and none of them seem to be acting in a proper way. Yeah. And did you see the name of the inn was called like the Green Man? Yes, I did see that. Which I think is like, um, like ties into the pagan belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how this movie is like, oh, you know, it's a horror mystery. Well, at the right now, it's a mystery. So he enters the inn and you're like, okay, he's going to request a place to stay and eat, which I think is interesting. But then all of a sudden, they break out into a song and you're like, is this a musical? <laughs> and this movie does almost have musical elements to it because there are many times where like a scene will be playing and either the children in the scene or the other people in the scene will be singing and they'll be playing instruments and they'll be dancing. And so it does have that element of a musical, a very scary musical. Yeah, it's not fun because it's like, you know, in a musical, the main character usually is a part of the singing or, you know, joins in. But it, he's just kind of like struck by these people just, you know, all of a sudden playing instruments and singing about the innkeeper's daughter because her name's Willow and the innkeepers like Willow show him to his room and then they the men start singing and the song is very like naughty in a way like they're talking about how like essentially like she's like it's not like is it it's, I don't know if it's disrespectful but it's kind of like saying like she's a good lay essentially yeah it's like in other situations it would be insulting but the way they come across it especially in their belief system and their attitude it's almost like bragging or proud yeah, like, essentially, like, she's, like, a, a high being of fertility or, you know, sexuality. Yes. And, and uh, I'm sorry? I wanted to touch on something that you had said there. So, you had said, like, you know, in musicals, the main character is normally involved and also doing the singing and dancing. I wonder if, like, that's almost like an artistic twist where it shows us just how isolated and disconnected he is from them. Like, they all know the music. They all know the songs. They know everything. And yet here he is just kind of trapped in the circle without having any clue how to perform. Yeah. And Howie's is a good Christian man, as people would say, like he's very like he's uptight and he's very tied to his belief. So he's kind of disgusted by this performance and what they're singing and, you know, her dancing kind of like um, enticing them in. So he bangs, like, <laughs> he goes behind where the innkeeper is and he starts banging on the table really loudly. And it kind of, in a way, like you said, it goes to show just how, like, he is an intruder, not an intruder, but, um, outsider. An outsider, because immediately, like, he, like, brings this stillness to the room and is kind of like, let's stop here. Just, you know, let's stop. And I don't know why, but after this um, scene, how he goes outside, and I'm a little confused at why he went outside, but as he goes outside, he's walking into the dark, and just slowly, the field that he's walking into is illuminated, and there's just people out in the field having sex. Okay, I do want to say that that portion of the movie where we see that, where it's like flashes, and then we see the random girls on top of the men having sex, and like the girls are kind of topless. Um, it reminded me a lot of the movie Suspiria in a way. Yeah, like it was very kind of like just like 
first of all, why would you just be out and about having sex in a field? And like the weird, like the way he makes eye contact with one of the girls, and then we see like her breast exposed, it felt very like strange. Yes, it's like, almost they're like trying to, um, like convince him to join them. But I will say, before that happened, before he left for his walk, he did eat dinner. And oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Find that something isn't right. Because the, these islands, the Summer Isles, is known for being, like, a big producer of, like, fresh vegetables and fruits. And so, while he's eating it, he everything he's getting is out of the can. And so, he asked Willow, he's like, do y'all have any apples? And she says, no, we don't have any apples. We do have peaches. And he's like are they from a can? And she said, yes. Um, and so he takes them and then he's like, it's odd that, you know, for this Island being what it is, everything here is out of a can. And she said that it's all must've been exported, but this is the first time we get a glimpse that something might not be right on the Island because why would they, an Island known for all their fresh fruits and vegetables be eating everything out of a can? Yeah. And it looked disgusting. Like the beans were a weird, like turquoise color. Yes. <laughs> And he even mentioned that he also another scene is when he's in the end is he noticed that there's these young girls taking pictures surrounded by produce and they're known as the May Queens. And it's like every year there's a photo taking and the last year photo is missing. And he even mentioned that he's like, oh, where's this photo? And the, the innkeeper is like, oh, it broke. But, you know, like your sense that he's not telling the full truth. Yes, it's like your intuition that something is wrong there. And then it's just backed up by the fact that, you know, he, um, they don't have any actual fresh fruit or produce on the island. Yeah, all the produce is from a can. So he, um, after eating, he goes outside to take a smoke, I believe. I might be wrong. And he sees all of the, um, he sees the scenes of the people having sex in the field. Now, I don't know. Um, I believe he yard. And when he gets to the graveyard, he sees like strange, like people are watering the grass. And then there's a woman who's completely nude, hugging a gravestone, crying. And this also makes me like later on the movie, it makes me wonder if maybe like if there is a famine that caused someone to die or if this is just part of their belief. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but I did think it was very interesting that out of all of the people, all of them seem very joyous. Almost to the point of, like, absurdity. Like, why are y'all so happy? Why are y'all so upbeat all of the time? And then we get the snippet of this crying woman. Yeah, and it's just, it was, like, very, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm like, but the sex in the field was strange, but, like, seeing a nude woman hugging a, like, um, a tombstone crying really was, like, jerking. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like, it feels like. As soon as, this is going to sound kind of weird, as soon as Howie entered the inn and they started playing music, it feels like I've entered, entered a dream. Yes. Yes, I would say that. And then seeing the naked woman crying at the gravestone kind of brings you back, like grounds you a little bit. Yeah, or it's like, you know how your dreams feel absurd and then all of a sudden it takes a turn to a nightmare? Yes. That's how it felt. So he goes back to the inn after seeing that. And um, he's very disturbed, like, by all of this. And he's essentially, he just tells the innkeeper, he's like, I want to go to my room. So the innkeeper allows him to go to his room. And he, like, he gets ready. He says his prayers. And in the middle of saying his prayer, um, the innkeeper's daughter comes to his door. And I, 
she I believe she tries to open it or she knocks, but he doesn't respond. So she goes to her room and then it just gets even weirder, guys. Like she essentially starts like singing and undressing and gets naked and she's singing and laying naked on her bed. And we see this and she's banging her hand against the wall, essentially calling to Howie to come like you know make love to her but he won't because you know he's a good christian man and that's against his belief and like she gets up and then starts doing a dance and slapping herself essentially like trying to call him and he does like get up and it starts to affect him but he stays strong and doesn't fall for her trick yes um and it's almost like she's trying to put him into a trance to come to her room and it's like her siren song And even though he's not coming, it's almost like it's still fun to her, even though he doesn't show up, like, she's still having a good time. And you can just see, like, it's very interesting to see the contrast between, like, her giddiness and her excitement versus his, like, restraint and his, like, um, almost like he's being tormented. Yeah, it's... It's such a strange scene. I hate it. I just love the fact that, like, she whispered his name and then she goes in her room and then she starts, like, doing her weird song. Oh, and a little fun fact about this movie is the actress who played Willow, Brett Eckler, kind of upset because, um, so the butt and thighs and bottom part of her body that you see in that movie is not her body. Yeah, so I think when she's turned around, like, when we're just seeing her backside, I think that's a stand-in. Yes, because she didn't want to shoot, like, the lower part nude. Yeah, she only wanted her upper part shot, which is crazy because she was pregnant at the time, and she she must have, it must have been early, you know what I mean? Like, because she doesn't have a belly, like, a bump, a baby bump, but um, she did get mad when um, the scene that uh, that many people want her to, like, autograph the still scene, because she tells people that's not her. Yeah. But, um, after um after willow does her dance and everything um howie doesn't fall for it so the next day uh he's woken by her and she's like i called for you and you didn't come and does he respond he oh, tells yeah. that it's not like um he's a, he's engaged and she says oh and that would stop you and she and then he says it is my belief like not to engage in premarital sex And I just want to point out, as we go on throughout this movie, we kind of see that, in a way, the people don't respect one another. Like, Howie doesn't respect their religion and beliefs, and they don't respect his religion and belief. Yes. And, I mean, for a good chunk of this movie, you're just like, man, this guy is such a dick. But then at the end, you start to feel bad for him. Well, like, in a way, it's like, oh, wow, this asshole comes to this village, and he's kind of just, like, you know, throwing out accusations here and there, and, you know kind of shitting on their beliefs but then you kind of see that their belief system is fine and dandy at all but they're taking it way too far yes and so one of the interesting things about this movie is they a lot of the villagers like we said earlier they continue to act that like rowan never existed or doesn't exist and yet sergeant howie continues to find evidence that she did exist such as he goes to the school the next day and we see some, a lot of young boys dancing around a maypole with ribbons and stuff, singing. And he's like talking to the teacher because he doesn't appreciate her telling the younger girls in her classroom that the maypole symbolizes a penis. 
a phallic. <laughs> yeah. And during that time, he asked to see the grade book because he talks to all of the girls in the class and they say um, they don't know Rowan. Nobody there knows her. She doesn't exist, really. And so he looks at the grade book. And what do you know? Her name is right in the grade book. But can I just say, Mae Morrison, the teacher, does such a great job at gaslighting. Yes. Also, can I just, um, I love how he's, like, anytime he ever asks for something, the villagers or the, the locals always say, oh, you have to ask Lord Summer Isles. Like, you have to get permission from Lord Summer Isles. And, and how he's not having it, he's like, I'm an officer. I am essentially, like, the king. Like, he's like, I I can do whatever I fucking want. And he, yes. he forces his way to look at the book and see that Mame Rowan Morrison was a part of the class. And then he actually, um, what is it? He uh he opens up her desk to uh the the empty desk because it's like, who does that desk belong to? And ever and she's like, it's an empty desk. So he opens it and we see a beetle tied to a string running around a nail, and one of the girls is like the beetle always goes in the same direction until it's forced up against the nail and cannot move. And Howie's kind of disturbed by this, like what not abuse, but like, it's kind of like, what is it called? The lack of compassion. Yeah. And then that also is foreshadowing like Howie himself and the actions he's taking in the film. Yeah. He doesn't know that he is also a beetle running around in a circle in a direction uh, that he he doesn't like he's he's like he's following his own demise yeah like he believes in his the authority he has so much that he doesn't even stop to question like the fact that these people one don't respect his authority and two he's kind of out there on his own so if anything bad does happen to him like nobody will really know and like lord summer isles tells him in the um tells him later on in the movie the hunted being the hunted mm-hmm so um, after he, um, May Morrison kind of reveals to um, Sergeant Howie that they are, um, they follow like they're pagan, they're, they're pagans, essentially. She doesn't say that. She's just like, we have a different belief system and a different God. And he's kind of like, he's dumbstruck. He's disgusted, like, by um, what she's telling him. And then she's like, we, Rowan was a part of our class. We don't believe that she is gone. We just believe that her spirit has left. She's not dead. She's just, uh, huh? It's been transformed. Yeah, she's been transformed. She is something else. So he goes to her grave where um, where he uh, he finds her grave. And it's kind of interesting. I love this scene where like he enters like this um, where her where she's supposedly buried. And isn't there like a woman who's like breastfeeding a baby or is that the abandoned church? I think that's the abandoned church, but the abandoned church is also where the graveyard is. Yeah. And he's kind of disgusted by like that the church is gone and there's just like some like offerings on a stone, like some buckets with um, just a couple of apples, which you can also see as foreshadowing. And he shoves it all off of the, um, the stone and he makes a cross, a homemade cross. <laughs> God, yes. Um. But this leads us to um, he has to get permission for Lord Summer Isles to, you know, um, dig up the grave. So he leads. So he gets on a carriage. Do you know how he gets the carriage? I think it's just somebody passing by. Yeah, he gets on a carriage. And as he goes to the carriage, we see more of this aisle. And it's a pretty big island, I would say. Yes. 
Um, and then once he's in Lord Summer Isles' home, that's when he Lord Summer Isles gives him the spill about how they're all about nature there and growing and how his grandfather rediscovered that if they appease the old gods then they get like a bountiful harvest. But that's not really the truth because his grandfather was kind of like a not a horticulturalist. He was like he grew fruit and stuff and he discovered that with the island's volcanic soil and the gold that they could grow plants there but he needed to kind of like convince the workers on the island who were just kind of fishermen to like follow along with him so he allowed them to delve back into their old religion and because their old religion is kind of like it's not so um strict as like the christianity mm-hmm. um there's also a scene where howie is going to where lord summer isles lives we see this um kind of like stonehead is it called stonehead what is it called that's what I was thinking. I was like, this looks like Stonehenge. It's like Stonehenge. a stone circle. Yeah. And there's all these women and they're naked or young girls and they're naked and they're leaping over a fire. And when Howie sees this from the mansion that uh, Lord Summer lives in, he's kind of disgusted by it. And Lord Summer is like, oh, does this rejuvenate you watching those young girls jump over a fire? And Howie's like, no, like it's horrible. And he's like, oh, it kind of like, it's their way of wanting to be more fruitful or um, yes. productive. So we see that Lord Summer Isles is like the leader of this island. His father started it. His grandfather started it. And he continues the, the pagan belief. And um, he's just a very interesting character. He's very, um, he's like the complete opposite of Howie. Yes. And also... It's like he goes, he's willing to let Howie do whatever he wants. Like Sergeant Howie wants to dig up Rowan Morrison's grave. And so he's like, yeah, you have permission. You can go do that. So Sergeant Howie goes and he digs up the grave. And surprise, surprise, what's in the coffin? A hair. A dead hair. And so Sergeant Howie returns to Lord Summer Isle's house and walks in on a very odd moment where Lord Summer Isle's is playing a piano singing and his and the school teacher, who is Mae Morrison, so she's not technically Lord Summer Isles' wife, I don't think, but it's implied that she's his lover, is laying there on a rug singing. <laughs> Sergeant Howie just tosses this dead hair at them. And um, interesting is Mae's drinking from a goblet, like, like, and I think it has a hair on it. And so he asks what it is, and they are like, that's Rowan Morrison. <laughs> she, was her. she loved her Marsh hairs. I'm certain she's very pleased with being a Marsh hair. A dead one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, so he's really enraged. And Lord Summer Isles and Mae Morrison are like, uh, she's a hair. Uh, Mae Morrison even says like trans, um, transmutation. Yes. And it's just so funny because like it's so ridiculous. Because it's a clashing of not only religious belief, but also science. And he's like, girls just don't become hairs, like, out of the blue. And in a way, it kind of, like, the movie also is gaslighting us, the audience. Because it's, like, maybe really, like, it is, like, supernatural. Yeah, we start thinking, well, maybe there is. Maybe she did become, like, a bunny or a rabbit. I mean, these people seem pretty odd. And they have a lot of weird religious tendencies. Who are we to say what did or didn't happen? 
And we even get this scene where, like, he's talking to Lord Summer Isles and uh, May's watching him. And she, when she drinks from the goblet, she's staring at him. And it's, like, with such an intensity. It's, like, what is she thinking? It's almost like she's going to cast a spell or something on him. Yeah. Um, after that scene, I think uh, Rowan, I mean, not Rowan, um, Howie leaves the mansion and he... Does he go back to the sweet shop to confront the lady owner? Or does he go to his plane because he wishes to leave? No. Um, he goes to bed, I think. Yeah, he goes back to the um, the green inn to go to sleep. And he has a lot of trouble, I believe. Yes. And so then they tell, like, he's been kind of encouraged by Lord Summer Isles and the others to leave the island because the next day they're doing a big celebration for their May Day celebration. And he tells them, I'm going to leave the island. And when I return, I'm bringing more officers to investigate this matter further. Because he believes that not only has Rowan Morrison been murdered, but conspiracy to murder has occurred because all of the villagers have been lying to him the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's just like, this is when the movie gets really interesting because when he goes to leave, his plane won't start. And um, I like how the man who like runs the dock is like, oh, no one has messed with your plane, but that doesn't mean he hasn't messed with his plane. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I haven't seen anyone touch your plane. So his plane can't start. So he's stuck on the island. And he goes back to talk to um, the woman who runs the sweet shop, who was supposedly Rowan's mother. And when he arrives, he sees like the oddest scene, like um, the little girl, her daughter has a um, like a sore throat. So the woman puts a frog in her mouth and is supposedly is to take the sore throat from. So um, kind of going back to the plane scene, if I was him, I would have just stayed in the plane because. From this point forward, he makes it clear, well, I guess I'm just going to have to find Rowan Morrison on my own. And then he starts searching everybody's homes. Yeah. And he goes to the library to read up about like their traditions and stuff. And he learns about like May Day and how they have this big festival and they dress up like there's this half human, like half horse, half animal thing. And then there's the fool who's a king for a day. So, um after learning all this, he goes back to the inn and he being again and they put like a hand near his bed that's like yeah, burning. The hand of glory. It's really creepy. But um Set on fire. He, he learns that the innkeeper is going to be Puck the Pluck. It's something with a P, Puck or Pluck. And that that is the creature that is the fool and the king for a day. So he dresses, he knocks the innkeeper out and dresses up as it and joins the parade because he believes joining in the parade will lead him to the Rowan Morrison. And I'm sorry, he did not think this through because these people have been doing this tradition their entire life. And he's over there having no clue what he's supposed to be doing, just like fumbling through it, which would obviously be very apparent to all the villagers. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't, like, dress up as just, like, another animal character that you could be in the far back? No, you had to dress up as somebody who was going to be, like... Really important. And have, like, a certain role they're supposed to be playing in this tradition. Yeah, and in a way, it's kind of neat to see, like, how we, this Christian man, indulge this um, pagan festival 
because like it's kind of going against his belief and yes he takes part of it and it's not really against his will no he doesn't because he thinks he's gonna find rowan and save her because he believes that they're gonna sacrifice her um i will say like I love this part in the movie where we see all of the costumes and the mask and stuff. It It's just a nice element in this movie. Oh, yeah. It definitely adds to, like, the dream the dream of this movie. And then I think also, like, the build-up where we see them all march down through the wooded, I mean, through the stone area. And then they do the little dance where they each have to go through the knives to see if they get cut. And you start to think, oh, my goodness this is real. They really do hurt people here. And then we have the girl in the rabbit costume where her head gets cut off. But then it's like, it was just the costume part and not her actual head. And they're all laughing and giggling and thinking it's so fun. It almost like lowers your like concern. Yeah. But then at the, at the end of the movie, it's, it's like they're pulling um, Howie's pigtails. Yes. Like they're pulling him around. They're teasing him. They're like, he does like, he can't even see the danger in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of starts thinking of it as a joke. He doesn't realize how serious they are. And then they get to their last um, their last ritual thing. And he sees Rowan standing up near a cave being held. And he runs up there to save her. And she leads him through the tunnel while they're being chased. And they manage to climb up and climb out of the earth. Which goes back to the ideal of the hair, right? Yeah. Oh, that, like, that I didn't even think of that. They run through this tunnel and then they come up through the ground from a hole in the ground. And then when they emerge, all the villagers are waiting for them. And Lord Summer Isle like tells Rowan she did a good job and Rowan runs back to her mother. And then they explain to Lord um to Sergeant Howie that they were tricking him the entire time. Like there is going to be a human sacrifice, and that human sacrifice is you. Yes, they're like, you're a Christian man, you're a virgin, you came here as a fool today, you're a king for the day, you came here willing, you check all our boxes, so you get to be put up in this wicker man and burn. And what's kind of saying, it feels like this is the first time they're ever doing it, but the way they have meticulous, like... So this whole time, it felt like a dreamlike sequence. And, you know, it felt like he was kind of being the out asshole outsider. But now you just, you're immediately filled with dread because you realize that these bright, colorful people who just seemed weird in their tradition and belief were actually horrible. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, they were all, like, the entire village was in on this scheme. And they were in lockstep. Like, none of them ever break broke role. None of them ever broke character. They all knew what they needed to do, and they played that role exactly how they were supposed to. And seeing them surround him, like, making sure he doesn't escape, and when they force him, like, they force his clothes off of him, and, you know, they wash him and clean him, it feels like, this is the part where it feels like the cult the most, you know what I mean? They're so in sync with one another, and they're so, like, they're, like, they believe Summer so much that by sacrificing sergeant howie that their next um their next uh harvest will be fruitful it's like y'all don't even understand like you it's like do y'all realize you're about to kill a human being 
but they justify it because in their mind and in their religion, they say, we're not killing you. We're just letting you be transformed into the crops and the harvest and the everything. And then they say, and according to your belief, if you do die, you get the luxury of being a martyr, martyr and you get a set among the saints. Which I don't, I don't know if, that, if that's how it works. But, um, but it's just so sad because like Sergeant Howie first tries to like, he tries to fight them off. Like, I love like um, when it's first revealed that like this has all been like a setup. He tries to walk away and then the big man from the inn like smacks him. And like, oh. huh? His name is Oak. Oak like smacks him and then drags him. Like he like, he's like, oh shit. Like these people are like for real. Like they're not going to let me leave. And then after they, um, it feels like he's accepting it after they wash him and clean him. But then he like has a last fight. He's like, don't you realize it's just like the reason your produce failed is be not because of magic or powers or, you know, the pagan belief. It's because the island wasn't meant for it. It's unnatural. Like this island shouldn't be growing anything. And he even says, Lord Summer Isles tells them. And Lord Summer Isles like, no, they're like sacrificing you. We will get a good harvest. And and Sergeant Howie's like, it won't. And next year you will be the one. Like in a way, it's almost like, He's kind of like prophesizing. He's like, or like, will be the one who burnt, huh? I felt like he was cursing them. Like, if y'all do this, your your island will never produce anything again, and you will be the ones to suffer, and you, Lord Samara, will be the one to be sacrificed. Yeah, like it was very heavy the way he said it. But I also think the fact that is that like Lord Summer Isles was way too like in his own delusion to believe anything else. Oh, yeah, and he's dooming his people and him to death by, you know, convincing these people that sacrificing Sergeant Howie is going to, like, bring back the, like, bring back the harvest. Yes, and so, unfortunately, Sergeant Howie is put into the Wicker Man, and below him we see other animals inside of it, um, and then they light it on fire, and while he's in there, he's praying and talking to God, and the village is outside in a large circle singing and dancing <laughs> and smiling. And it's really fucked up because we see even like we get like a thing of Rowan Morrison down there singing with her mom. And it's like, like, in a way, it's like little girl, he was trying to save you. Mm-hmm. And it's like the show immediately, this show, this movie, not show, this movie is all about deceit. Yes. It's about, like, it's also about kind of creating illusions. Because we see how they led him on a wild goose chase. And they also led the audience on a wild goose chase in the movie. And then we also see how, like, to them, they're all about being natural. And, you know, we just want to grow fruits and vegetables. We just want our people to be fertile and fruitful. And all of that seems very nice. And it's covered by this very cheerful, happy like veneer but underneath it is this like dark like unhappy part of oh we're willing to burn somebody alive to keep this illusion in place and you know we also have to look at this from a different point of view because at the end of the day lord is a businessman you know what i mean like (laughs) his grandfather cultivated this island to grow fruit to be sold for money essentially because like no one just comes to a place to grow something. You know what I mean? Like, that's 
uh, this is the way I take it. So he convinced the workers on the island that they can do whatever they want. They can go back to their old gods as long as they essentially like serve under him. But and, I also think I'm going to have to interrupt you. Sorry. It's okay. I think that maybe his grandfather started off as a businessman and maybe his dad even carried that model over. But because Lord Summer Isle was raised up on the island and educated in the same way as everybody else there, I think that he really does believe, like the islanders do, that there are old gods. And if they appease them, they will get a good harvest. So even he has fell for the delusion. Yes. And I think we really see that through, like, his happiness and his belief that, like, yes, it might not be something he wanted to do. And they've tried other sacrifices. They've tried other animal sacrifices, and it just wasn't cutting it. So now they've had to step it up and do a human sacrifice. Yeah, and it's just like, but the way I see it is like, maybe you're like, I, I could definitely see that Lord somewhere else falling for it and not understanding. But like the way his um ancestors have set it up, his great grand, his grandfather, like essentially like, oh, make them believe like everything they're doing is for the old gods. But like, in a way, it's kind of all going back to making sure that the island is prosperous and Lord Summer Isles is prosperous. Because like, you want them to have sex so they make more workers. You know what I mean? And yeah. they are devoted to the island to make sure the produce gets out and it's being exported for money. I mean, and I guess you could even look at it as like the spread of Christianity. Like the movie is almost symbolic of the spread of Christianity. How Christianity, when it was spreading throughout Europe, would often um, like adopt a lot of the pagan beliefs to keep the to get the people to convert over and keep them happy. So they wouldn't revolt or like fight back as much. Oh, yeah. Like it adapts to whatever region it's in. So you're more accessible to not only accepting the religion, but also the colonizing. Mm-hmm. But um, and then, you know, like this movie is great because you can look at it from so many different points of view, like the clashing of religious beliefs and the the accept. Um, not accepting one's beliefs like they didn't respect his he didn't respect theirs and you can also look at it from a point of view where like when people of a certain people of religion or beliefs when they are in very um stressful situations or tiring times how they will sometimes go to they will turn make their religion or go to the very barbaric parts of their religion to get what they want or need or what they believe will you know bring them um blessings Yes, I was disappointed um, that this movie didn't end with like a thunderstorm rolling in and putting the fire out or like somehow Sergeant Howie being saved or a flash forward where we see the harvest fell again and Lord Summer Isle get persecuted by his people for it. Um, I thought that would have added a little bit of an interesting element, but I think that they did a good job on the movie. Yeah, it's left kind of like, like you said, it's left open ended. We don't know what the next harvest will be. But I would like that, like maybe an ending scene where the next harvest is also empty. And mm. you see it being reported to Lo Lord Summer Isles and his face dropping or something like that. Yes. Or but the movie ends sadly with the wicker man burning and then the head dropping. And it's very funny that the movie is called the wicker man when like, it's you know, like it's very, it's the only ending scene with the wicker man. Unless Sergeant Howie was always the wicker man. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. So, um, how would you rate this movie out of five stars? 
So this is kind of hard for me. Like it's a, it's a great movie to watch. Like it's like the color, like I love like the artisticness of the movie and I love the music in the movie. The movie is great to watch because it's very much a mystery and then it slowly goes into horror but there were parts for me that were hard to get through so i'm gonna say um four out of five i think that's a fair rating i would probably rate it the same four out of five i overall enjoyed the movie i love the twist where it's like he was actually the one being hunted the whole time um and he was tricked into it i do wish the ending had been a little bit different but that's just my personal taste um I thought the elements of music in this film were actually very interesting and they didn't sound like overly produced or overly thought out. It just sounded like something that would pop up like when a group of people are working together. Oh, yes. Like very folky. Yes, very folky. And I think that if you really look at it, this movie was the very first start of folk horror. And if you watch a lot of cult movies, um, more modern cult movies like Midsummer or other ones, they probably pull from this movie a lot. And then I would like to state one thing. I feel kind of bad because I feel like I've been bashing hard on the people of the Summer Isles. But like, you know, like in a way, you could even look at this as them kind of like trying to de like humanize the pagan beliefs yes like the movie itself is in a way like just reinforcing that belief system of oh look how bad the pagans are and look how good the christians are this christian man he came there to save a young girl and instead he's murdered by these horrible pagans yeah so i just wanted to add that in because i felt like i'd been really focusing hard on the other side yeah and i definitely could see that too um well do you have any other final thoughts on this movie no i feel like we've really um you know uh dived deep into this movie and um looked at all of its creases and corners so i watched this movie on prime guys um i don't know where you if you watched it on a different streaming site no i watched it on prime too but you do have to rent it. Um, I didn't. I couldn't find it for free anywhere. So you do have to rent it. And I think it was like three to four dollars to rent. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tune in next week. We will be discussing Hereditary from 2018. And if you want to leave us any comments or suggestions or feedback, you can reach us at Shrieks and Shiver Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And also, I believe you can also reach out to us on Spotify as well. Yes. So we always look forward to hearing from people. So you can reach us there. Yes. And please do reach out. We hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.